Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, on Monday, Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said, quote, it's a travesty if Tom Brady doesn't win MVP. As someone who bet on Brady to win MVP at 12 to 1 early in the season and has no money at all on Aaron Rodgers, I wholeheartedly agree with Coach Arians. Um, You're probably a little more impartial, though, John. Uh, Who would your vote go to if you had one? Is it a hard choice or or an easy choice for you? And can I interest you in Ben Roethlisberger for MVP at 250 to 1? Yes, DraftKings really is still taking that bet, along with bets on Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, and more than a dozen others. Well, it's funny because if, if there was a, I don't even know if there is a postseason MVP, but if there is, if the Steelers win the Super Bowl, Roethlisberger is winning it. So, you know, if you right. can get any odds, I mean, they're not going to win it, but if they did, <laughs> he would get it just out of, you know, even if he was terrible, just out of, uh, you know, sentimentality. So that, that would be interesting. But since it's only a regular season award, yeah, that's not good. You know, this reminds me of my old adage of the, the lottery as being a tax on people who are bad at math. I mean, offering these MVP options is a tax on terrible betters really so right now to your question you know caring who wins awards is like a casualty of old age at least for me but i did a little research here and came perhaps to an unusual way of getting here i go with brady because of the game that aaron Rodgers missed due to COVID issues but if brady had missed a game also i'm not sure who i would have picked so both deserve to win obviously and Rodgers opened himself up to plenty of criticism for his misleading answers on vaccinations. Uh, but if we're going into off-field issues as part of voting, I'd be a lot more focused on penalizing athletes who beat their wives or girlfriends. Or and this is one that never gets talked about, but I know firsthand how often it happens. Failure to pay child support. I mean, deadbeat dads ought to be called on that because kids are innocent pawns in a you know an angry adult game. So uh, there are a lot worse things. That, you know, Rodgers was misleading at best and plenty else at worst but you know so these two were the class of the league and uh, again if Brady had one more I guess Brady had one more game of excellence that Rodgers did as the way I'd put it uh, regardless of the reason so uh, Rodgers best case is not only the number one seed but I mean Brady's Bucks lost to the Washington Admirals come on man <laughs> Washington Admirals all right you're you're entrenched on that as the name huh? okay. yeah. I you want took- Red Hogs but it's going to be Admirals unfortunately okay. Uh, you, you took that in some directions I wasn't expecting. I didn't I didn't think we were going to get into child support payments on that. But uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's uh, I shouldn't let it's it's I, I don't know how, you know, culture. It's another it's for another podcast, I guess. But how culture changed that that's not a bad thing anymore. There's no well, shame in that. You just don't pay your it, kids child support. It, yeah. I think I think it varies. I think there's the cases where, uh, you know, someone really doesn't have the money and then you throw them in jail and then yeah. uh, that's yeah. not going to help them pay their child support. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly with, yes, rich, rich athletes who owe child support, uh, I, I think uh, we should be uh, coming down on them for that. But, by the way, which is, which is not Tom Brady, by the way. Not, uh, not right, even, right. Not right. even implying that. Nor, nor Aaron Wright. Yeah, as far as we know, no. neither of these guys have failed to right. play, pay any child support. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the MVP stuff, I find mm-hmm. it fascinating how consensus opinion builds and, and a narrative is chosen but it doesn't necessarily reflect how the voting will go. Um, like in most corners of the NFL and gambling media, 
it was decided two weeks or so ago that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, and he might well be. Uh, I think all things considered, he was a slightly superior player on the field to Brady this year when he was on the field. But, you know, you take a step back now. Their teams ended up with the exact same record, 13 and four, no edge there. Um, there's a case that Green Bay lost the one game Rodgers didn't play and lost another game where he only played one half. So that shows his value. But basically what you were saying, you know, vo- voters might look at that and say that Brady's case is strengthened by him being on the field for all 17 games. That makes him more valuable. Um Stat-wise, Brady threw for six more touchdowns and 1,200 more yards, although most of the efficiency-based stats favor Rodgers. Um, And then don't forget the voters are human, and Brady doing this at age 44 could sway them. And uh, Rodgers, I'll use your word, being misleading about his vaccination status could sway them. Last year, uh, you'll recall when the season ended, the odds said TJ Watt would win Defensive Player of the Year, and instead Aaron Donald got the votes, uh, which very much pleased our podcast bankroll and my real-life bankroll. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying Brady is going to win this. I would sooner put money on him right now, though, at he's priced at plus 425 is the highest I'm seeing. I would sooner do that than Rogers at minus 500. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> like you said, I mean, I know, again, firsthand, writers do love a narrative. And mm-hmm. Brady at age 44 is tremendous. And, you know, Rogers is was a good narrative. And then, obviously, for various reasons and for various sentiments among voters, kind of didn't really have a narrative this year at all in the end. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brady won. So that number you're looking at, it sounds really good to me. All right. Well, of course I got him at uh, plus 1200. Yeah, uh, so nice. uh, hopefully fingers crossed. I hope uh, voters are thinking similar to how you're thinking. Um, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 176 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 175 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. There's no such thing as a gambling industry podcasting MVP award that you can vote on. So the next best thing you can do is give us a five-star rating and write a gushing review. And coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by FanDuel Director of Risk and Trading, John Sheeran, to give us the operator's perspective on the major news of the week, which is the launch of mobile sports betting in New York. We'll ask John about the build-up to launch, the early betting patterns, and how New York is a little different from other states. But before we talk to John about the big news, we have to weigh in ourselves on what's become a... uh, not uh, as hectic as usual week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We're doing things a little differently than usual in the news segment this week. New York is such a big story. We're going to spend a good 10 or 15 minutes just dissecting that, devoting about two-thirds of the segment to it. Uh, So let's dive right in. The New York Gaming Commission announced last Thursday that four of the nine approved mobile sports books, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, and Bet Rivers, had clearance to launch at 9 a.m. Saturday, clearing the widely announced goal of in time for the Super Bowl by a full month. Uh, The other five operators had not yet satisfied all the commission's statutory and regulatory requirements. The four approved operators quickly swung into motion, announcing sign-up bonuses and promos similar to what they offered in other states, competing for their share of the largest population yet to launch mobile betting with multiple sports books. The launch went off mostly without a hitch Saturday, with FanDuel and DraftKings both approving their first bets at 9.01. Bet Rivers had some issues getting its app into the Google Play Store, but they managed to work around. 
The bigger technical issues hit Caesars, which had outages on both Saturday and Sunday, a problem the Caesars app has encountered in other states. In any case, the early numbers for the opening weekend were enormous, with GeoComply recording 5.8 million transactions in New York in the first 12 hours and 17 million in the first 36 hours. We'll get into a few subtopics shortly, uh, but John, give me your thoughts on New York pulling it together this quickly and the pricing and bonus offers in New York looking the same as in other states so far. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, not your father's New York State Gaming Commission. I'm <laughs> astounded at how efficient they were at this. And uh, I'll say I'm impressed. I'll give them credit. Okay. Um, but I think these mega books are just kicking the can down the road as far as the crazy tax rate and focusing on uh, gaining market share. You know, collect first, ask questions later. I, I can't get out of my mind, you know, Meadowlands racetrack owner, Jeff Corral, who no doubt was the richest guy in the room, thanks to his real estate mogul expertise. He said at a gaming conference in Saratoga Springs, New York last summer, the 51% rate was so unrealistic that it hardly even counts in his mind. He expects the operators, you know, who basically now are, they're not even full partners with the state in, in making their own money. Uh, we'll just claim that if the rate continues, well... You know, who knows if they'll say they'll abandon the state or just offer horrendous prices to betters or or what. But something's going to have to give on that, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I figure uh, this may or may not be of interest to listeners, but I'll give a little behind the scenes uh, uh, in terms of how we as a media company covering the space uh, deal with a situation like this. I think that some of our listeners may be curious. Um, now, this is a moment that in terms of the company's revenue, this is a massive opportunity. We can't be asleep at the wheel when New York launches. So uh, on less than 48 hours notice, we had to make a bunch of writing assignments, publish a bunch of articles, arrange for about half the staff to work on Saturday. It's nothing crazy and uh, I'm not complaining, but um, it would be nice if uh, say when California launches mobile sports betting someday, they announced the launch date a week or two in advance. That would be nice. Uh, New York, it was manageable but not ideal. Although I guess it could have been worse. Some states have launched with no warning at all, just all of a sudden, oh, look, this sportsbook app is working. So I'm glad New York didn't do that. Um, as far as the pricing and bonuses, I'm not at all surprised that it's the same in New York as other states. Pennsylvania gave us all the proof we need that these sports books uh, will have the same numbers across state lines. And uh, the, these books in New York are competing with three other books each for business. So they're going to extend generous sign-up bonuses. The only difference we've seen between New Jersey and Pennsylvania is that you sometimes get to take advantage of a no-brainer odds boost that they don't offer here, just on occasion. And so that'll eventually happen in New York also, I assume. Um, but but that's about it. The, the lines and spreads and the sign-up promos will all be the same as every other state for a while, I think, regardless of the, the crazy high tax rate. Now, what do you think of that uh, Bills Patriots uh, uh, bonus on DraftKings, I think? So the maximum is supposed to be $25, right. and I got limited to like $10.03, and I've never been limited in my life for obvious reasons, and you got like $5. <laughs> right. You know, I was kind of joking. I, I meant to check with one of our uh, New York people. What is it, like 42 cents in New York is the maximum? <laughs> see, I, sure. see I'm, I'm guessing it's the opposite. I'm guessing that in New York, whatever the, the mm -hmm. limit that it's, it's supposed to be, whether it's 25 or 50, mm -hmm. I know that it's usually one of those two numbers. Yeah. I bet New York customers, because they want to impress them and reel them in, none of mm -hmm. them are getting limited. That's my guess. Whereas us guys who've been mm -hmm. around for a few years doing this stuff. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I've ever been limited $5 and two cents. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, that's uh, $4 and 50 cents or so of free money that I'll definitely get when the over comes in at over three points or whatever the line ends up hammered down to. 
I mean, how small do your do your wagers have to be that you get more than ten dollars and three cents instead on a on a supposed twenty five dollar maximum? It's uh, right. it's almost like a, it's like one of those things you're you're embarrassed to get the uh, the high number, I guess. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I I suppose I should feel uh, complimented that they limited <laughs> me a little lower. Um. So uh, switching to a, a few New York uh, subtopics that I want to hit here. Um. Do you expect, John, that the the four sports books who launch Saturday will have a significant advantage in the long run over the other five that haven't launched yet? Well, I mean, yes and no. The DraftKings and FanDuel have significant advantages, sure, but they didn't need to be first to get that. It mm-hmm. comes from their massive daily fantasy sports customer bases, and we know how much Caesars is spending on commercials, many of which do the near impossible and make actor-comedian Pat Oswalt not funny at all. <laughs> um, you know, Bet Rivers should do well in the Schenectady area. They got a casino there, and it's not a small fish, but tough to compare them to these big three. Uh, then of the lagging five, BetMGM may make the most noise. Uh, you know, don't forget they own Yonkers Raceway and a huge database of gamblers in the New York City region, thanks to that. Yeah, I mean, I, based on what we've seen in other states, there does tend to be a first mover advantage. But I, I think, as as you basically said, it's not as important as just being a big name with a lot of money and a big database. Um, you know, if it's a less well-known book that launches first, and then FanDuel and DraftKings come in a little later, they're still going to pass it and rise to number one and number two. In this case, with FanDuel and DraftKings being among that first four, I have to assume they're going to build an early lead and never look back. Um, As we've said, you know, the great majority of sports bettors will fund one or two accounts and they're good. They they don't want money on nine different sites, even though Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. If you really want to maximize price shopping, it's just not worth it to the casual better too much to keep track of. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly why BetMGM and the others didn't clear the regulatory requirements along with the first wave of operators, but, if it wasn't their fault, if they, they didn't do anything wrong, I, I have no idea. But if they didn't, if they're being held back for some arbitrary reason, they should be pissed. This, this is costing them market share in a massive state that they're paying a hefty price to enter. Well, I mean, that's the thing. New York is so big that nobody, no one's going to say that. I mean, you're, right. you, you could be right, and we're never going to hear about it because there's just no way you want to mess with the New York State regulators and the amount of money that's uh, out there. And even maybe give yourself a reputation once California, Florida, and Texas get off the pot, you know, say, oh, those guys, they're, they cause trouble in New York. <laughs> right. No siree. So, uh, you know, we get here and there, our staff gets a, a whisper, you know, a little bit, but uh, uh, you don't see anybody putting a name to it or or even a company putting a name to it because it's just they're too big to to mess with really yeah it's like when uh, elaine menace's doctor wrote down that she was difficult and uh you know (laughs) you don't you don't want them writing down that you're difficult um so uh, let's talk about the new jersey side of things you you wrote about uh new jersey losing a lot of its handle to new york um but jeff edelstein then wrote about an industry source telling him most of New Jersey's big bets come from syndicate betting that won't change much. Um, Thoughts on what Jeff source told him and should we know within the first two months of 2022 New Jersey revenue reports, whether the source is correct? Well, I think Jeff's interview subjects made a strong case for a smaller fall off than some might expect because there's so many big money gamblers and syndicates who have no need to change horses in midstream, so to speak. I mean, they've been dealing with New Jersey. Everything's working out great. I mean, look, New York books may not offer worse odds in New Jersey for quite a while. They're never going to offer better ones, I don't think. Right. So, but as far as first two months, let's see, that's January and February. Let's circle back in March, in April when we listened to what March was and March Madness. 
You're right. March March isn't a very important month. Uh, I could see that. Wait wait three months and try to draw some conclu- conclusions. Yeah. Um, this is a fascinating topic, though. This syndicate betting thing. Uh, I mm-hmm. knew very little about it before Jeff's article, although it's entirely logical and you know it's legal to place a bet for someone else if some of the money is yours. Uh, so in other words. My friend in Utah, I have a lot of friends in Utah. Uh, My friend in Utah calls me and says he wants me to bet a hundred bucks on the Chiefs. If I bet a hundred one dollars and one dollars of that is mine and a hundred dollars is his, as I understand it, that's legal. We're just pooling our resources and I'm placing a legal bet. Um, Anyway, fascinating to note that so much of that record smashing New Jersey handle might be coming from out-of-state players who just use New Jersey because it was the first to launch a lot of mobile sports books and that those bettors would probably stick with New Jersey because that's where the people making the syndicate bets are. And it's also like a bonus to New Jersey for knowing what the heck they're doing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> look, we deserve it. We, 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 uh, we passed the referendum in 2011. I keep saying 10 years ago, now it's 11 years ago, and uh, spent six years in court fighting uh, the NFL and NCA and other uh, other giants and won. And so now it's all coming here. So this is like a little bit of a little bit of a perk for us that, uh, you know, we, that we, we deserve it. I think everybody recognizes that. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that New Jersey pride always comes bursting through. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So last uh, topic to hit here on the New York stuff is that uh, our colleague, Mark Saxon reported that GeoComply said the highest concentration of bets came from the Eastern section of Midtown Manhattan, where there are a lot of sports bars. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Saxon? in declaring Midtown East the sports betting capital of New York State as New York State is on its way to becoming the sports betting capital of the world. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, Upper East Side sports bars are their own culture and have been for decades. And I'm realizing, like, at least they were decades ago when I used to go, but I think <laughs> right. they probably still are. Uh, meanwhile, I can't believe all the local bookies in that in those neighborhoods suddenly disappeared either. So a ton of this may be new money, actually. Um, I know a longtime colleague in the business that joked that he's probably responsible for half of that big number. <laughs> and uh, I think he was one of the uh, Hudson River crosses to Jersey sometimes. So now he gets to stay home. But then again, nobody in our line of work can move the needle uh, even even a little bit on terms of handle, even if they wanted to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Not with these numbers. Um, yeah. yeah I, I have no skin in this game in terms of whether uh, New Jersey loses its title of sports betting capital of the U S to New York. Um, but uh, obviously they're going to, if, if not in January, which is a partial month for New York, then I would think undoubtedly by February, New York will have the highest handle. Um, Midtown East, uh, right combination of sports bars, sports fans, and people with money. Uh, so uh, I, I suppose it makes sense that that can be the sports betting capital of the world. Uh, although I might recommend to New Yorkers that they make their couches rather than sports bars the sports betting capital until the Omicron wave has burned through. Just my general suggestion, you know, order some takeout from your favorite sports bar, give them some business, uh, then go to your corner store, buy a six pack and watch the games and and bet on them at home. You can even invite one or two friends over if you want. Uh, Just uh, makes more sense to me than packing in closely with a hundred people. That's how I would do it anyway. I I think that's uh, not an unreasonable suggestion. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's pause the New York talk and shift gears. Let's finish the news section by talking about some specific bets on some specific games. Uh, Two Sunday night games got a lot of attention this week. One was the incredible NFL game between the Raiders and Chargers, where, as I wrote about last week in my Line It Up column heading into the game, 
if the Jaguars upset the Colts, these two teams would both make the playoffs with a tie, making a Jaguars money line slash Raiders Chargers tie parlay an intriguing, crazy long shot bet. Turned out a lot of bettors had similar thoughts. Uh, FanDuel told U.S. bets that they would have lost about $10 million if the game ended in a tie. And DraftKings and PointsBet were also on the hook for over a million dollars. Ultimately, the Raiders kicked the winning field goal as time expired in overtime, costing bettors some huge payouts. The other game of note was in the NBA, where some bettors did win big. Reports surfaced Sunday that Draymond Green of the Warriors was going to start the game just so he could share the court with Clay Thompson in Clay's return from injury, but Green wouldn't play long because he was nursing an injury of his own. Some bettors got in player prop unders on Green before the lines were taken down, including some who did same game parlays on Green to go under in multiple categories. Uh, I actually have a friend who sent me his bet slip thousand dollars to win nineteen thousand on green under adjusted lines on points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, DraftKings in particular reacted slowly and got hit hard, uh, but after some deliberation, decided to pay the unders and void the overs in a customer-friendly move. However, there were reports of the betters who took advantage getting limited in subsequent bets. Uh, John, lots to digest there. Give me your thoughts on the Raiders-Chargers tie bets, the Draymond Green plays, and whether the NFL or the sports books might have to rewrite any rules. Yeah, I mean, I offered the NFL the obvious solution on Twitter even before that football game ended. And I'm, well, okay, I'm not surprised they have yet to institute the so-called <laughs> Brennan rule. <laughs> okay, in any final week game where a tie clinches postseason berths for both teams, guess what? There are no ties. You play for hours if necessary, you know. On a tweet, I added, just Google Ed Podolak Chiefs, and you'll find some great archive stories from a half century ago. It's good stuff, and uh, that would that would have made that game arguably even more compelling. I and mean, it was cool anyway. I didn't have a nickel on it, and I stayed up. <laughs> Up and it was a wild scene but you know on green i think the books did the right thing and i might surprise some people when i say that this is a case though where limiting a big winner on green and his unders on other bets for a day or a week uh, i have no beef with that eric yeah um you're not the only one I'll, I'll get to that in a second i'll just quickly note on the raiders chargers thing because i i don't have as much to say about that um but that it was just a fascinating amazing game i was in a rarity up late watching. Yeah. Now I should throw in the asterisk that I fell asleep at halftime and missed the third <laughs> quarter. I woke up and watched the fourth quarter in overtime. But um, with all the unusual implications of potential tie, it was an experience watching a game that I will probably never forget. Um, but yeah, the Draymond Green thing, definitely a lot more to discuss there. Um, first of all, I think the sports books need to update their fine print on player props off of this. Maybe something mm. like if the player doesn't log at least two minutes of court time, the bet is voided. Could do something similar with NFL. If the player doesn't play at least three snaps, the bet is voided. It really protects both sides in the event of an injury right out of the gate. You know, that's not fair or fun to win or lose a bet because a guy pulled a hammy 30 seconds into the game and didn't return. And then it would cover rare situations like these where a player makes a symbolic start. Um, you may have noticed the, that uh, Eagles center Jason Kelsey did that last week too. He played one snap to keep his consecutive start streak alive, and then he ran to the sidelines. Uh, now there are no props on offensive linemen, but <laughs> if he had been a wide receiver and they had a line of X receptions and you knew that was his plan, sportsbooks just don't need to be opening themselves up to that. Um, obviously, DraftKings had to pay the winners. Um, 
they didn't have to void the overs. Uh, that's a nice gesture. And uh, probably it wasn't a ton of money, um, but they had to pay the unders because they didn't have any fine print in place about yeah. this sort of thing. Uh, if anything, it bothers me that they even took time to think about it instead of paying them immediately. Mm. Um, but that said, let me read you a tweet from a friend of the show, Rufus Peabody. Uh, he wrote uh, very much in agreement with you, quote, yeah. If you placed a same game parlay on Draymond Green unders and got severely limited as a result, I have zero sympathy and actually agree with the book's decision. Um, so, and I'll, I'll make it unanimous. I agree with this. Um, these sports books, they limit a lot of betters for lousy reasons. Um, this is actually a valid reason. If you jump on what is essentially a screw up by the book, you know, good for you. You got one over on them, but you weren't playing the game the way it was meant to be played. You're, a card counter essentially you have to expect that they might not want your business anymore now if i'm the guy i know who won nineteen thousand dollars it's worth it <laughs> i can play at the other sports books this is a trade i would make every time um but but i agree with rufus you're 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 angle shooting you know it's, it's not cheating it's 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 angle shooting and i i think the operator is well within its rights to discourage that by limiting your action and and letting everyone know that there is a price to pay if you try stuff like this are they edge sorting though, Eric? That's what I'm. You're the poker guy, on this. <laughs> right? <laughs> the card <That's>, guy. <laughs> well, I guess edge sorting is a form of angle shooting. So yeah, but it all <laughs> kind of goes together. Well, yeah. In case anybody out there doesn't know, yeah, Rufus is a professional sports better, unlike us. As anybody who is just starting to listen, <laughs> we'll we'll find in the next couple of segments. <laughs> don't realize the difference. Yeah, big difference. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. heard my perspective and John's perspective on the New York mobile betting launch. Now we're going to get the sportsbook operator perspective. Joining us for the interview segment is the director of risk and trading for one of the mobile books that launched in New York State on Saturday morning, FanDuel. He is John Sheeran. John, welcome to Gamble On. Thanks for having me on, Eric. Um, so before we talk about these five days or so that FanDuel Sportsbook has been active in New York, tell us a little about the buildup to this. What has it been like on the FanDuel side getting ready to launch? Was it rushed at all? Were you surprised it happened a month before the Super Bowl? Or, or, or was it easy because you've already done this in like 20 other states? I think a little bit of all of that. Um, yeah, we've obviously got plenty of experience. I think that was our 15th state live. So we've been through the process 15 times now over the last three and a half years. Obviously, New York was already a state we were in for retail only uh, very different for, for the mobile offering, obviously. Um, so I think we were surprised by the speed when it eventually went, um, but we were ready fundamentally. And I thought, you know, on our side, the tech teams, the, the product teams to have us ready and to be in a position where when we get notification 48 hours before we pull the trigger that we were ready to go, I think is a good testament to all the work that they've done in preparation over the last three years, as I alluded to. So, so it was indeed just 48 hours. You didn't have a, a leg up over the general public in terms of a little more uh, lead time and knowing this was coming. No, I mean, it was pretty close. We obviously have been preparing for it for the last number of months, knowing that it could go at any day. But yeah, once you get the final uh, green light, there's a lot of um, testing that has to go on and approvals and licensing requirements. So once you get that all together and you're ready to go, normally it's pretty close. So, uh, John, the Buffalo Bills, who have never won the Super Bowl, obviously are a serious contender again this year. 
Now, I got to tell you, I remember the first time the Giants played in the Super Bowl. It was the late 1980s. And let's just say I'm aware that local bookies uh, in my area couldn't set a line high enough to get strong action on the Broncos. I think the line moved six or seven points, as I recall. Um, what happened there was the Giants were actually trailing at halftime. So all, all Bronco bets were winning. And then the Giants covered every single bet. So it was a big bath for the bookies because they didn't have out-of-town action. Now, here, if you set an objective line, all of Western New York is going to pile on the bills. But if you gain that line for those betters, then the larger number of New York City area betters who have no interest in the bills uh, would pile on the opponent. So um, it seems like a little bit of a challenge, too. So that's really my question. Is the word challenge, is the word problem, uh, or some other word or words that would uh, describe the situation you're in? Yeah, I mean, look, our, because we're a national brand, and not alone do we service U.S. Uh, brands, but also under the Flutter umbrella, international brands, you know, we will have biases in certain jurisdictions towards certain teams, um, but we really can't get into looking at how we would create a line based on, you know, what the demand will be. That really doesn't come into our consideration at all. I mean, we look to set the most accurate um, line that we can, the one that best reflects the probability chance of, of each team winning and covering, depending on obviously what market we're offering. Uh, and then we kind of live with the volatility that comes as a result of, you know, those biases in each jurisdiction. But from a risk management perspective on my side, uh, we certainly look at combining them all into one pool at the end of the, end of the, the day and not even just as a U.S. business um, but as a more global operator should. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, in my opinion, historically in the US, there's been uh, too much movement in lines based on how much money has been on one side or the other. Culturally, it's something people are always very interested in. And I could give you the numbers now and tell you 82% of the bets in New York that we've taken uh, on the spread have been for Buffalo. And uh, that is going to be biased by obviously our location and the state that we're live in. Um, being the biggest state that, that, that there is so far in the U.S. Um, but that's nothing new to us. We've seen it with the Yankees and seen it with a lot of the New York-based uh, customers traveling to New Jersey to bet on, on game days and NFL Sundays. And, you know, you know, having lopsided books isn't something that's new to us at all. Um, so uh, any interesting or unexpected betting patterns observed in the first few days in New York, aside for that lopsided action on the bills um, in terms of sports people are betting, teams they're betting on, types of bets, bet sizes, anything unique to New York as compared to other states? Um, I think, look, from my perspective, the state is far bigger than we even expected it to be, at least initially. Um, we've been super encouraged by the amount of demand for the product. Um, you know, things went well for us on the first weekend. And, you know, from a tech perspective, we were uh, very solid. Um, and, yeah, I think the demand, sheer volume of it, and, and then maybe the average bet size. Um, New Jersey is a bit of an outlier in the U.S. It is higher here than any other state in, in the country so far that we're present in. And, you know, that is New York's average stake already is very close to New Jersey. So, I think they're the two elements I would call out, the, the sheer volume and, and yeah, maybe a heightened inc uh, appetite for, for risk from the consumer as well. Okay. And, and I assume you've found in, in most states that it doesn't really matter how the local NFL team is doing. I mean, in New York, aside from the Bills, the other two teams happen to be at you know, the bottom of the barrel, the Giants and Jets, as they played out their regular season in, in what was your opening week there. I assume you've found that 
that doesn't matter that much. Betters in any state will bet on any game when it comes to the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the primetime games in the NFL take up about 50% of our volume on a weekly basis. So I think that tells you immediately, you know, the more eyeballs on a game, the more betting activity there will be. And it really doesn't matter who's playing. If it's, a, you know, a, a Packers and a, a Bucks, for example, over a Lions and a, and a Bears, then for sure there will be increased volume and demand for the higher profile, better teams, perceived better quarterbacks. Um, that isn't anything new to us, but... Uh, yeah, I think what I would say is the experience of the other states definitely tends uh, to show us that at least preseason before the season starts, there is a lot of loyalty to the local teams. Even when you're as bad as the Jets and Giants have been for the last couple of years, we invariably will start the season off with pretty significant exposure on both of those teams. So I think you get that you know sports fan mentality of you know my team can be good. Even if I don't necessarily really believe it, I, I don't want them to to turn out to be good and be involved in the postseason, potentially win a championship and let them go on back, particularly when they're 50 or 100 to one. Right. Um, so I'm just curious with the uh, first weekend of, of the playoff games around the corner, I don't know if you have this data at your fingertips, but is there, uh, this is more a national question than a New York question. Is there a game standing out from a volume perspective right now that uh, you've identified one game out of the six, uh, particularly uh, getting a lot of public interest? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little early in the week right now, <laughs> particularly mm-hmm. in the COVID era, a lot of the customers are staying off the games until they get great uncertainty about the key players being on the field. Right. Uh, I think two games probably stand out above the others for for volume, and I'm pretty sure they'll be uh, at the top range. Obviously, the primetime games will, will will obviously be the bigger volumes, but I think Dallas and, and San Francisco is a really interesting matchup uh, on Sunday afternoon, and then certainly Monday night football with Arizona uh, in SoFi against the Rams. I think they're the two games that if you ask me, you know, which will be the, or which will be in greatest public demand, I would definitely center around those two in particular, Kansas City Chiefs and, and, and having hosting uh, Ben in what could be his last game in Arrowhead, I think because of his position in prime time and, you know, the perceived um, public love for the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, that that'll probably be up there as well. But certainly the first two I mentioned, I think are, are the most appealing on the slate. Okay. So the very early numbers on New York sports betting so far, as we talked about, are, are enormous. Uh, does it seem like this launch is a lot different from other markets around the U.S.? Uh, I say that because, look, millions of New Yorkers uh, either have been legally waging already in New Jersey or they at least have been unable to ignore the constant TV commercials, uh, you know, which used to have the small print of uh, uh, betting only available while in New Jersey. But um, so it feels like a little more that. The, the market awareness has to be higher here. So um, is it fair, my conclusion there, that there's a bit of a different feel to the launch of this market? There's certainly a different feel to it, for sure. And I think your point around, you know, I think we think and we know from some of the data that, you know, a lot of our New, New York customers um, were already betting in New Jersey. Um, so they were either here on work or travel or specifically came over to bet. Um, but for sure, um, it felt like they were ready to go with the product um, quicker than other states. Um, we've had other good launches, maybe not with a shorter lead-in time as, as we had in New York, but to see, you know, what not just what FanDuel as a brand are seeing, but more broadly the market, 
I think gives you a decent illustration that the New Yorkers were a uh, really waiting for this to go and then b had that experience of already experiencing it. I guess. All right. Uh, well, it has been a pleasure talking to you, John. Uh, congrats on getting off the ground in New York, and thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks, John. Two men. Two men. Ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the final Fast Five wrap-up and make our playoff pick shortly. Uh, But first, let's update our betting bankroll. And we'll start the update with our NFL futures. Uh, Here's the rundown in the order in which the bets were placed. Washington football team to win the NFC for $10. That's a loss. Uh, John, you had Zach Wilson for offensive rookie of the year for $50. It hasn't been announced yet, but he can't win. We can safely grade it now. And I I think you had football team. Let's uh, you didn't mention, you know, the, okay. uh, Okay. All right. You're right. You're always an orphan. Apparently. (laughs) Well, I'll just say now I had all of these except Zach Wilson. That's the (laughs) only one that's yours. The rest of these are uh, my, my, for the most part, my fault, uh, not my credit. Uh, but uh, okay. So continuing, uh, I had T Y Hilton under 64 and a half catches easy win there. We profit a hundred dollars. Uh, next uh, are two Jaguars bets that cancel each other out. We won $150 on Jags under six and a half wins, but we lost $150 on Trevor Lawrence to score over 3.5 rushing touchdowns. Uh, the one big loss was me taking the Broncos over eight and a half wins. We lost $220 on that. Uh, Some little ones, Chargers to win the Super Bowl cost us 15 bucks. Safe to assume that Tua for MVP will cost us $10, (laughs) even though the award hasn't been announced yet. Uh, And Kyler Murray, most passing yards costs us $15. I made a lousy bet on Chandler Jones to win the sack title, a loss of 50 bucks there. And lastly, Chiefs to miss the playoffs. I'm going to stubbornly insist they're still overrated and had some good luck and and won some close games. But regardless, uh, we lost $100 on that one. So in total, we're minus $370 across all those updates. It all came down to the Broncos. We would be plus 50 bucks if we'd won that one, which we might have if Teddy Bridgewater could have stayed on the field. If, 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 uh, I suppose it was uh, a little bit unreasonable of me to expect Teddy Bridgewater to stay on the field. Um, we do still have one NFL futures bet uh, that might redeem us uh, sitting out there. We placed it last week or I placed it last week, uh, $60 on the Titans to win the AFC at plus 500. That has gained some value already by them locking up the top seed. Uh, John, anything to add before I round up last week's bets? Uh, we're absolutely terrible at futures and especially terrible at expecting a player to win something. You notice I'm mostly expecting the worst was the better play. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to remember that in uh, spite of the sample size issues in play. Yeah, that is definitely the the lesson that I'm planning to take into next year is player prop season long unders. Pick a, pick a few of those because you have a lot of ways to win with an under yeah. and a season long player prop. Um, all right. In last week's action, um, I had the Steelers to win the second half of their game. They pushed the second half, and it counts as a loss for the bankroll. Uh, minus $100 there. Uh, John, you had the Georgia-Alabama game to go over 52, and 51 points were scored. Minus $105 there. Uh, but John Rahm came through for you for the most part. Uh, we lost $50 on the bet on him to score an eagle in the opening round, but we won 140 on him to finish in the top five. So uh, last week's bets added up to a $115 loss. And with the NFL futures hits added in, 
We are now down by a depressing $1,958. Not too much rattling around in futures bets, just $470 there. So that means we have $7,572 available to bet with. And you're up first, John. Uh, you know, this reminds me of a close friend who, as a kid, he would hit one feeble grounder after another to second base. And the dad would put his arm on the shoulder and say, kid, you're not good, but at least you're consistent. So <laughs> I think that's us. <laughs> uh, moving on, you know, I had Rom to win in real life and he came one shot short second place. But uh, my sense of the field overall was really encouraging for me, given how it all played out. So I, I have a little bit of enthusiasm on the golf front, at least. Um, okay. So I'll be a little bit aggressive with Canadian Corey Connors and the Hawaiian Open. Uh, Connors, fortunately, is a little under the radar for a little while longer. I think he's going to break out this year. He had one of the best driving distance, driving accuracy combinations last year. And Hawaiian Open is toughing, toughening up the rough a little bit. And that might help him more than anybody, since he doesn't do a lot of rough anyway. So these are on BetMGM, where I don't get chopped on any of these in case there's ties. Uh, 20 at plus 2,200 to win. 20 at plus 400 for top five, 40 at plus 200 for top 10, and 100 at minus 110 to finish top 20. All right. Corey Connors is our man this week. Um, For my first bet this week, I'm going to steal a bet I like from our colleague Jeff Edelstein's weekly NFL betting column on Sports Handle. Um, I don't copy his bets in real life too often, just on occasion uh, when he suggests one I like, uh, which led me to that 20 to one parlay that he hit earlier in the season. Uh, And this one I like it's his preferred teaser of the week, a three team six point teaser. He takes the Chiefs down from minus 12 and a half to minus six and a half against the Steelers, crossing a key number seven. Uh, he takes the Bucks down from minus eight and a half to minus two and a half against the Eagles, again, crossing a key number three. Uh, this also acts as a small emotional hedge for me. I'm rooting for the Eagles to win, but I uh, get a tiny little silver lining if they lose, as long as they don't lose by just one or two points. Um, and lastly, he teases the Cowboys 49ers point total down from 50 and a half to 44 and a half and takes the over Uh, the Cowboys were the highest scoring team in the NFL this season. Uh, I'd be surprised if this is a 20 to 17 type of game. So that's the teaser. It's priced at plus 163 at Fox bet three extra dollars over the more common price. Uh, So let's bet a hundred dollars to win 163. Right. I got to uh, say the goodbye to college football this way. You know, my childhood friend's mantra of you're never out of it with the over, which I can never forget. <laughs> so true. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, three, nothing after one quarter, 39 after three quarters, 52, no chance. <laughs> then comes 29 points in the fourth quarter and Bama is down 32, 18 with a few minutes left and they're past midfield and the backdoor cover is begging, begging to come in and, and penalties and sacks and that sad yeah. trombone music, but Hey, I got to sweat <laughs> out of it. So, it was good. You're never out of it with the over. Uh, but so college is done. What else am I going to do? <sighs> Look at this one. You know, the Raiders are worn out from that emotional win Sunday night over the Chargers that we talked about. Mm-hmm. They're on easily the shortest rest of any NFL playoff team. They fly three time zones east and they're a dome team that will see a low of 17 degrees Saturday night in Cincinnati with a 50 percent chance of snow. See, uh, over under a 49 at several books. Well, give me that at 110 to win 100. I don't think the Raiders are going to pull their weight here. So under under 49 in uh, that yeah. game. All right, cool. Um, so I stole from uh, Jeff Edelstein for my first bet, and I tapped Adam Small for my second. Um, yeah. I wanted to get in an Australian Open bet. Um, Novak Djokovic will play. And as I said last week, if anyone can handle the extra pressure and negativity of his vaccine situation and crowds booing him, it's him. But still, 
it opens one possible avenue of something going a little sideways for him in this tournament and allowing an underdog to have a chance. So I asked Adam if there are any bets he likes, and he gave me two. And they both happen to be priced exactly the same at FanDuel, which has the highest prices I could find on both of these guys. Um, one is upstart Carlos Alcaraz, the 31st seed. He's 48 to 1 to win it all. And the fifth seed, Andre Rublev, is also 48 to 1 to win it all. Adam thinks both of those guys have a chance. Um, I've seen the draw now. Uh, Alcaraz could run into Djokovic in the quarterfinals. Uh, Rublev could run into Daniil Medvedev in the quarterfinals. But so be it. You got to beat the big dog somewhere along the line if you're going to win it all. Let's put $15 on each of them at 48 to 1. So if either long shot comes in, we win $720. And, uh, you know, if, if either of them is still alive two weeks from now, um, I think we'd be up to the semifinals probably when we record that podcast. At that point, we can maybe think about hedge bets if one or both of them is still in this thing. Yeah, I'm sticking to the bookmaker headline here, Escape from Alcaraz. That's what they're hoping Ooh, for. There so. you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, if, my, if my guy makes a run to the finals, yep, that's what they're going to be praying for. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we finished the show with the Fast Five, where I made my modest progress in the final week in my effort to finish with a respectable record. And John had a dramatic sweat in his quest to stay above (laughs) 500. Um, After two straight four and one weeks, I finished with a three and two, which actually had five and O potential at various points in the late games, but it wasn't to be still my 11 and four rally over the final three weeks helps polish the turd. That was my 2021 (laughs) fast five season. My final record is 38 and 52, a win rate of 42.2%. Terrible, but not quite historically epically terrible, (laughs) which is what it was headed toward three weeks ago. Um, As for John, he came into the final week at 43, 41, and one, needed two and three to finish above 500. He went 0 and 2 on Saturday and 1 and 1 in the early Sunday games, needed the Jets plus 16 against the Bills. And they lost by 17. So John's final record is 44, 45, and 1. And we both end up disappointed in our seasons in different ways. Uh, from my perspective, if you cut out weeks 2 through 15, I had one heck of a year. Uh, John, any final reflections on your Fast Five season? Yeah, I'd be a little remiss if I didn't note that neither one of us had a 5-0 and or an 0-5 week all season. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. I'm not sure what the math on the likelihood of that <laughs> is, but um, that's something. So, yeah, I'm 24-15-1 after eight weeks, which is phenomenal. I was about 500 following each of the 17 weeks. And a 4-10 <laughs> and 10 fade, though, dropped me to 500 for the first time since the start of the season. And, yes, I've got the Jets for all the Tostitos. <laughs> the defense played surprisingly well, but the Jets couldn't move the ball at all. I was really fortunate to be within 13-10 with just over eight minutes left and I figured the Bills might score another touchdown then call off the dogs and I salvaged something out of the season but probably as you were thinking at times in the midst of your modest ahem 23 and 47 slump over the course of 14 weeks <laughs> at a certain point you realize hey it's more entertaining if we lose you know I mean, some of the best comedy is having someone get kicked out of nuts or slipping out of banana peel and once i couldn't finish over the magical 52.4 percent mark to make a profit i sort of rooted against myself i mean if i'm listening to this i know my schadenfreude is kicking in and i'm laughing so uh, you know at least the pie in my face tasted good i'll look at it that way um, i've only spent about six weeks under 500 overall on a season in the four years we've been doing this and only in 2019 did I uh, never let my foot off the gas though you know finishing at 59 point something percent and I was remember I was over 60 percent off a six and two start in the postseason and then faded to six and five so something for me to think about this season 
I, I conceptually think of the second half as being where you got a better chance to do well because now you have a lot of data, right? And the first couple of weeks, I, I've always thought, you know, it's, it's tough even to make bets or maybe you, you, you say low on your bankroll because you don't really have any trends yet. And yet I'm killing it in the first eight weeks every year. And, and I stink down the stretch. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite uh, sure why that is, unless uh, data is not your friend. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> well, at least that you know now that it's sort of uh, it'll be that much more dramatic and meaningful uh, when we uh, totally kick butt next year, right? Because we'll be have we'll have bounced back from these disappointing uh, 2021 seasons, right? Yeah, th- let's go with that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, we have a chance to start bouncing back now, uh, as in years past. Uh, we're going to make picks against the spread on every playoff game. Uh, we'll alternate who goes first. As we see if either of us can maybe, just maybe, go a perfect 13-0, and 0, although I suppose we'd probably settle for a winning 7-6. and 6. Um, We'll use the Superbook lines as of Wednesday night, and I'll go first with the Saturday afternoon game, Raiders at Bengals. Bengals favored by 5.5. I lean Bengals here. They're rested, as you said. The Raiders, uh, they could be physically and emotionally spent. Uh, I think the 30-year drought without a Cincy playoff win ends, and they cover the five and a half. How about you? Oh, uh, well, first, I know I'm three and one in our regular season matchups uh, of the last four years. How do we stack up in the postseason, uh, considering there's a small sample size? Do we even keep track of that or no? Uh, I could go back and look. I don't have the, that information here. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I'm actually not quite as enthused about the Bengals as I am the under that I talked about before, as the Bengals might be, uh, you know, a little shaky, a little nervous, given their pitiful history. Yeah, the, the last Bengal to score a point in a playoff win uh, is now a senior citizen at age 65. That's wow. not good. Uh, but still, I'll give the five and a half points to the Bengals. And the next we have the Patriots at the Bills Saturday night. The Bills are favored by four. So in the last 20 years, quarterbacks debuting in this round are 11 and 31 straight up. Now, the dogs have barked like crazy in the past few years at this point of the postseason. So those kind of mix in together somewhat. Uh, But the Patriots barely won in absurd win conditions the first time and got manhandled the second time on a real field. Um, So it's going to be really cold, but not as windy. So I'm going to give the four with the Bills great defense. All right. We're in agreement uh, through the first two. Uh, I struggled a lot with this game. I think the Bills are the better team and that the Pats uh, seem to have peaked a little early in the season, but you just can never count out Bill Belichick. But I came back to the same thing as you, you know, a rookie quarterback on the road on the playoffs. Hard to get behind that. I'd have a much easier time picking the Bills if it was a three point spread. Uh, But even at four, I, too, am going with Buffalo. Um, Now, the first game Sunday is my Eagles at the Bucks. Tampa is favored by eight and a half and it's just not worth being right in this silly little competition to betray my rooting interests. Um, Of course, a Bucks blowout win is on the table, but you know, they aren't at full strength. The Eagles and Jalen Hurts are playing better now than when these teams met earlier in the season, when the Eagles pulled off a backdoor cover after getting uh, blown out for most of the game. I got to take my Eagles getting this many points. All right. Yeah, Eric, your Eagles, you know, well, they're bullies. You know, they went nine and two against non-playoff teams and oh and six against playoff teams. Um, that appears to be a problem in, you know, the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. um, now, their best score was that 28-22 loss to the Bucs in October. But uh, the box score shows, as you suggested, there's nothing special about Philly, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> two to one time possession edge, almost the same for total yards and that backdoor, you know, cover. So I'm going to give the eight and a half. I don't have any sentimental uh, reason to go against the Bucs. 
And then uh, Sunday late afternoon, we had the game. John Sheeran said, look, headed for the highest handle 49ers at Cowboys. And it's Dallas favored by three. You know, I love that the Falcons head coach and offensive coordinator for their unspeakable Super Bowl loss a few years ago to the Patriots are facing off here as head coaches. Uh, you know, more on the bullying angle. Dallas is six and zero against the NFC least and six and five. Otherwise, the Cowboys, they can't stop a good running team like the 49ers. And who knows which Dallas offense shows up. So give me the 49ers plus three. Okay. Um, so I, I assumed last week uh, that Garoppolo would be seriously compromised by that thumb injury, but I guess he isn't. And uh, if he isn't, the 49ers are dangerous. Um, this feels like a close game either way. I wouldn't be surprised by the outright upset. So I will also take the Niners plus three. Um, the Sunday primetime game is Steelers at Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. Man, this is tough. Uh, I know Kansas City won this game by 26 earlier in the season, but I would expect it to be closer this time around. Good Steelers defense, Big Ben giving whatever he has left in the tank, but I still think the Chiefs cover. They won't win by 26, but 14, 17, I can see that. So I will take Kansas City. Yeah, you know, I got a big kick out of uh, Big Ben saying uh, they ought to be 20 point underdogs as, <laughs> yeah. as the worst team in the postseason. You know, he's getting ready to uh, have his post uh, playing career on, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel or, <laughs> or, or Caesars or whatever. So, you know, of course, we know the worst playoff team plays in Pennsylvania, but I'm not sure that it's this one. Uh, so this is backdoor cover written all over it. And I'm going to buck the tide and take the Steelers with the 12 and a half. OK. And lastly, on Monday night, Cardinals at Rams. Rams are favored by four. Kyler Murray is one of those other quarterback debutantes, so fair warning there. Of course, Matt Stafford's playoff experiences are all bad. So these two teams confuse me, so give me the four points with the Cardinals. Okay. So it's interesting that, that both times these teams played each other during the regular season, the road teams won. Uh, so I had to think about that for a second, but I don't actually see it happening again. The Cardinals just haven't looked great since Hopkins went out. And uh, certainly coaching wise, I trust McVay more than I trust Kingsbury. I don't see a blowout, but I do think the Rams will win by a touchdown or so. I think they'll cover the four. So uh, we have uh, three that we agree on and three we disagree on. And uh, we can't both be six and zero heading into the second week of the playoffs. That's all I know for sure right now. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, John Sheeran. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out. Yeah. Oops. I did it again, Eric. You know, the previous week after that seven and one early window of bets for me, followed by an zero and five late one, I boycotted the Sunday night and Monday night games entirely. I don't even know who won, by the way. I'm just kidding. Mostly. <laughs> but uh, now last week of my season potentially finishing as high as a satisfying 48, 41 and one here on the podcast. I watched a couple of tough losses in the Saturday games and. I boycotted the first half of the early Sunday window entirely as well. You know, I flipped on red zone at that point, but it wasn't going so well. So I veered away again at times. And, you know, of course, like anybody, I've had a few Sundays with family obligations or limited outings with friends. But usually if I'm home, red zone is on on a Sunday. Uh, it felt like most of that day was sort of like a cleanse. Uh, it felt good about it. And so, you know, once I could tell the Charger Raider game was getting interesting late, I was all in for that crazy finish we talked about. And I really enjoyed it and kind of enjoyed the day overall. So I guess the point is I like to joke about how too much of a good thing is a good thing. But really, I'm not so sure that it is. So 
And with that, everybody, until next time, gamble on. Just not necessarily on every single game.